You're listening to Something Real with Pastor Rich Zeiger and Stacy Cozio, connecting the reality of God to the realities of life. Thanks for joining us. No chances. No chances. Hello. Hello. Welcome to Something to Salad About. <laughs> Oh, something man. real. Something the real. Home of professional podcasting. Hey, we're actually doing this as our at our semi-normal time. We are so impressive. Semi-normal is was my nickname in high school. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. It was my resume. In high school, Sorry. So. That's the, that's one that has stuck. Semi-normal, Stacy. <laughs> so good times. Good, good times. times. Well, but despite despite all of the clowning that we do and. Tomfoolery and cultural references, and, and the so shenanigans. On. The uh, Bugs Bunny and Space Jam, which I still can't get over. Uh, I can't get over that. The, we thought of the same the thing. Blues Brothers references. The real reason we're here is to connect the reality of God to the realities of life. And so, um, one of the beautiful things of this particular week is we just came off of uh, Easter, Resurrection Sunday, the, the festival of resurrection. And uh, we are celebrating the reality of our risen Savior. So as we um, kind of work through the, this, um, it, it's been a weird podcasting season for us in a lot of ways. For a lot <laughs> That's of, a good way to put it. A, a weird podcasting season. Um, kind of hit or miss on some things. Um, We've had a little bit going on. You've had yeah. a little bit going on. And so we didn't we didn't podcast last, last week. week. And We've um, had guests we've had skips we've yeah. had everything in between but so we're going to try to get back to normal it, it's been a it's been a strange deal but um this last the last three weeks we've been in this kind of a mini series coming off of uh kind of springboarding from numbers 21 in our in the wilderness series into this mini series on from death to life and so um the lord just sort of arranged it as he does so that um heading into uh, Palm Sunday, the, the week before that, uh, we saw the gospel clearly presented in Numbers 21 as, mm-hmm. as uh, um, the children of Israel grumble against God. Their sin leads to death uh, because uh, God judges them with this plague of, of venomous snakes or fiery serpents, as the ESV says. I like that <clears throat> and, uh, and they repent. And they asked Moses to pray for them. And God provides for them this merciful provision uh, where if they will simply trust God's merciful provision, embrace that, and look to this serpent, this image of the of sin's curse lifted up on a pole, then they would pass from death to life. That sounds familiar. Yeah. And so uh, we wouldn't really know how that connects necessarily, apart from Jesus saying in John 3, I am this. This, yeah. this is just in the same way that Moses lifted up the serpent in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. So as we're um, as we're walking through that, we get to Palm Sunday, mm-hmm. and we we see in John twelve that Jesus makes the same allusion, not specifically to this thing, but he uses the same phrase. He says it in John eight, says it in John three, the same idea about being lifted up where it's kind of a play on words because the same phrase that he's using to mean lifted up from the earth, lifted up on a pole, crucified. And we're told specifically that that he is saying this to talk about how he is going to die. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, we might not know that. But right. because we're told specifically, we know that's what he means. The context makes it pretty clear that's what he means. But the, the phrase can also mean exalted, lifted right. up in that sense. And so this... Uh, 
sort of play on words, it can't really be an accident because in John 12, uh, Jesus says this is his hour to be glorified, that his his death, this betrayal, this being lifted up and crucified is how he is being glorified. This is the purpose for which he came. And so as he's as he's working through um, that with the people, he's struggling. So, that, you know, I, I don't want to go through this. This is hard. We end up seeing him not in John 20 recorded specifically, but in the other Gospels at the same uh, time. He's in the garden. He's praying, Lord, take this from me. This is what you know, my supposed to shy away from this. This is why I came. This right. is my reason. This is my my, my purpose. Uh, and so that that is kind of the the key to understanding what goes on on Palm Sunday. And we kind of looked at it through the lens of, of fans and foes and followers. You know, the pastors dig that alliteration silliness, but um, but it, it it just became pretty clear as you look at it. You got all these people who are gathered just like, and we've seen this a couple of times in John already, uh, just like when after he feeds the 5,000 and everybody's coming because they want stuff. They want more bread, you know, and, and he says, you didn't come because you saw the signs implicitly saying because you saw the signs and believed that I was Christ. Right. You saw the signs and instead you were actually, um, you were just wanting more stuff. You, right. you know, you're looking for what you can get out of it. So as, as they're um, seeking to get from him, we see the same thing happen with the crowds who are there gathered, throwing their cloaks down and, and the palms. They're celebrating the Messiah that does what they want. They want to right. celebrate the one that pleases them because they're they're glorying in this prosperity idea of, you know, God does what I want. God in my box. That also sounds familiar. Yeah. We, I mean, we, what we do today so right. much. And, and so many of us who well, we talked a little bit about this that day that. So many of us in circles that would formally and consciously reject the the deception of the prosperity gospel still fall prey to that same kind of thinking right. that, that God wants me happy. That that if you know if things aren't going right, it's because obviously I'm I'm not walking with God, or because right. I I sinned, I messed up, and now God's punishing me. me or something. And, and that's that is contrary to what we see in Scripture. Uh, explicitly taught by Jesus that there are a lot of things that happen to us. A lot of the suffering, obviously Jesus himself, his example, it wasn't sin. It wasn't that he sinned that took him to the cross. He went to the cross for our sin. Mm -hmm. He didn't have any of his own. So he, he took ours. But, um, you know, so many times we see this, this picture that suffering, difficulty, hardship happens in this world. And it's not because of a specific cause and effect sin. It's, so that God can receive glory and, and what God is doing in it, in developing in us perseverance, character, hope. Uh, these are the things that shape us to be more like Christ. So, you know, realistically, when we look at, at suffering in general, we need to dump this, you know, God wants me happy, prosperity, gospel stuff. God wants us holy. God's you know, happiness comes as a byproduct of, of, of living in shalom and this rightness with God. Um, that it's a byproduct. It's not a goal. And, and we can see that even outside of spiritual things, if you're chasing happiness it is the most elusive thing in the world. It's a little bit like, you know, if you're, you know, you're, you know, in the park and you're trying to feed the, the rabbits or the deer or squirrels or whatever, and you chase after it, you're never going to get it. Right. Unless yeah. you're Snow White. But if, you, but she doesn't chase after it. Right. You know, they so, come to her. so if you sit right. and you just are patient and do the thing, you know, hold out the food, trust the process. As I was told my, my kids and my baseball players, trust the process, 
the, and the right the right results will happen if you just focus on the process. So you sit there and you hold out the food and the birds will come to you or whatever it is. In the same way, happiness is kind of like that. Do what pleases the Lord. Mm -hmm. Do the right thing. Stop chasing after happiness. Stop worrying about whether, you know, all of these things are falling into place and let God handle it. And, and you find a lot more success. But these fans, they're, they're like us. They want stuff from God. And then the moment that he disappoints them and Jesus will always disappoint us when we look at Jesus through our expectations. He's, he's not trying to be what we want him to be. He is who he is. He's ultimate reality. So again, this is why, you know, we focus on trying to connect the reality of God to the realities of life, not trying to, 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 you know, make the merge and force things. God's not here to jump through our hoops. And so Jesus is who he is. And because he is who he is, if our expectation is based on our own expectations rather than on who he claims to be in the word, then we're going to be disappointed. And so, you know, we get to the end of the week, people are shot and crucify him. Maybe it's some of these same people. Maybe it's not. But in any case, we don't see this uprising, this, all, this massive crowd. Nobody's there defending him, right. you know, which is exactly what Isaiah 53 predicted, who, who protested. He's taken away by oppression. Who's protesting? You know, nobody. They're all standing up for it. So then we see the, you know, the foes, the, the Pharisees, the chief priests. Well, they're instead of, you know, focusing on what, you know, this prosperity idea, they're glorying in their position. Mm -hmm. they, you know, they like the status quo because the status quo works for them. They're in power and it's great. And they, you know, they don't want uh, anybody upsetting the apple cart. So Jesus comes in, different authority whether they think he might or might not be the Messiah, maybe they're skeptics, maybe they're not, but either way, they don't want him. And, right. and <clears throat> I heard Alistair Begg talking about this um, in one of his Easter sermons. It was, I mean, the sermon over three podcasts, because it's only a half hour and he preaches as long as I do. Anyhow, he was talking about the fact that, you know, when we don't believe it's, it's not that the evidence is insufficient. It's that the evidence is unpalatable. Right. We don't want it. You do not believe because you will not believe. And that's kind of where these foes are. And we have a tendency to think of these as two different things. But Judas, we see at the beginning of, of um, John 20, um, when they're gathered at, at uh, Lazarus's home and they're, they're you know, Lazarus is tripping because Mary breaks the, uh, the nard and, and anoints Jesus's feet. And Judas. Did I say Jesus? I you meant said, Judas. You said Lazarus. I'm, yeah, they're at Lazarus's home. <laughs> Judas is the one. Right. Thank you for thank you for this is why we got to have the team here so you can you can pick me up when I fail. Um, so Judas was tripping. Tripping Judas. That's it. <clears throat> Not my nickname. Actually. Um, cool band name. <laughs> uh, so anyway, uh, you know the reason he's tripping is because you know, and, and John makes it clear he's saying it's about this could be used to be the poor, but it's really because. He wants to get some out of it. Right. So Judas really falls into that fan category. Sure. He's been following Jesus. He's a devoted follower as long as Jesus matches what he expects Jesus to be. Right. We get to the end here and, and, you know, we're not, lots of people speculate as to why Judas did what he did. What, the one thing we know is Satan filled his heart. Mm -hmm. Now, was it greed and money? Maybe we see that picture in his character. Was it that he was, uh, uh, you know, zealous and, and fell into that category of zealots and, and, you know, was disappointed and was trying to push Jesus into moving forward. Maybe none of that really matters. What we do see is that he was a devoted follower. He becomes at some point, for some reason, disenfranchised. 
And it's a very short step from being a fan who's disappointed to being a foe, right? right? That, that's what happens. And, and you, you, how many, you know, creepy movies are out there about jilted lovers who are so obsessed and- and, and, and Fatal you know, attraction. Yeah, that kind of thing. <laughs> right. I love you so much, I have to kill you. Right. And so um, that, that's a pretty easy- movie. I never saw it. <laughs> um, it, it's, it came out while I was in college, actually, but never saw it. Anyhow, not my kind of thing. I'm really going to go watch It's a Wonderful Life instead. But uh, as as you see this stuff unfold, the same reality happens in our lives today. We get disappointed. You know, how could God let this happen? How could, you know, this happen to my child or I lost my job or my, uh, you know, my partner betrayed me or whatever. And we turn against God mm -hmm. and we go from fan to foe. Because if we are really followers, and this is what Jesus makes clear, if you're really followers, you're going to be where I am. You're going all the way. And where's Jesus going? Well, to the cross. Jesus going to the cross. Right. So, and I was thinking about that yesterday. Um, you uh, talked with a, a couple people who decided to commit their lives to Jesus. and It was a glorious resurrection yeah. Monday. <laughs> and, but at the same time, you were asking for, for a prayer for those people because in those times, and I've been there, of course, but uh, the devil's going to attack you even Absolutely. harder yep. um, when you hit those highs. Uh, yeah. when, the, when we're on the mountaintop, he's he's working right. hard enough. And then himself. then it's then you're like, man, I I, I did this, and now everything's difficult. Right. <laughs> and it is. It's it's hard. It's not. So when you talk, we talked really about chasing happiness um, and and expecting God to give us happiness all the time, like. It's a struggle a lot yeah. of the time, and it really and it, it really tests your faith, and and yeah, so yeah, and it's supposed to. I mean, he he tells us that it, it, Jesus doesn't he doesn't hide anything, right? And he, and he goes to great lengths to say over and over, count the cost. Don't just jump in and you know ride this and think this is just going to be a good time, right. and then if you do that, you're going to look like a fool when you realize. What it actually means is I have to give up everything. Right, because when life. you're a, a quote-unquote fan, that's it's it's easy to flip from one side. I mean, if you think about today, look at I hate to even use this phrase, but look at cancel culture. Right, you know, people that are huge celebrities can say one wrong thing or something that's perceived as wrong and super popular, and then, right, you know, and then they're at the bottom of the totem pole. Right, so people are very fickle in you know how they and, and from all walks of life. I mean, right, 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 like, right. Donald Trump, everybody loved him, and then he decides to be a Republican, run for president, everybody hates him. Right. You get, uh, Bill Cosby, right. great hero. Roseanne, whoever. You know, it, uh, right. Martina Navratilova, right. you know, who was the champion of LGBT causes right. until she says, oh, wait a minute, dudes are still dudes. Yeah. And, you know, that's that, that's not really going to work. Well, she's not and LGBTQ she enough. Is, she's horrible. Right. right. Uh, J.K. Rowling, yeah. hero, darling of the feminist movement, and now totally canceled. Even the Harry Potter game that just came out, they are dissociating from her. It has nothing right. to do with J.K. Rowling. Even though it was great, but yeah. whatever. So, anyway, yeah. So people are just very fickle, and that's it's obviously not a new, not new. phenomenon. No. So I find that interesting. No, and that, you know, so when we look at, at that picture, it, it became really important in, in, in this miniseries to, to kind of look at what is the, what is the scripture saying is actually the gospel. What, what what does it mean to be a Christian? And so when we put these things together, there are a couple of things that, that stand out. First off, we're not saved by doing mm. anything. We're, we're saved by our faith. We're saved by God's grace. He makes 
a gracious, merciful provision. When we look at Numbers 21 and, and the connection that Jesus makes in John 3, when he says, you must be born again, and then he can, compares himself to that snake being lifted up. And, and that's those are the verses immediately follow, or immediately preceding John 3, 16. We don't talk about the verses around that. We just look at But, you know, Jesus is saying, just like that snake in the desert, the Son of Man has to be lifted up. Mm-hmm. When that happens, okay, this is, this is the gospel. Because God so loved the world in all of our wretchedness and all of our sinfulness and, and our unfaithfulness to him, that he sent his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him wouldn't perish, but instead, by believing, would have eternal life. And and he continues to say, the son didn't come to condemn the world, but to save the world, right? right? That, that's what he was here for. But he then continues to say, if, if you believe, if you believe in the son, then you don't stand condemned. Right. But if you don't believe, you're already condemned. That's your natural state. You already stand condemned, not because you did X, Y, or Z, but because as sinful people, sinners in our nature, uh, we are already objects of wrath. Ephesians 2 says we're already dead in our transgressions and sins. But God, who's rich in mercy, sent his son, uh, Romans 5, 8, while we were still sinners, so that Christ would die for us while we were his sinner, while we were his enemies, and, and not looking for him. Mm-hmm. So this, the the picture of the gospel is not tied to religious feelings or uh, practices, and we you know we check our, our list and, and get all the things taken care of. And if I do this much good, it, it balances out this much bad. And that can never work. In Romans three, it says the the righteousness from God is by faith from first to last. And he says that in Romans one, says again in Romans three. Nobody is made right. Nobody is given life. Nobody is justified by the law. Because if we're dead, the law can't give life. That's not going to do anything. All the law does is point out where we break the law. It shows where we fail. And how we can never live up to it. Right. Right. I mean, think about it. When was the last time you got pulled over on the highway because you were driving really well? And a police officer said, hey, man, I'm so proud of you. This is awesome. Cold Here's a ticket. Take this to the to the courthouse and they'll give you $200. That doesn't happen. That's not how the law works. It's expected that you will live up to the standard. Right. The law points out when you don't live up to the standard. And so in dealing with this uh, whole situation. Sorry, YouTube. YouTube has all the fun. Uh, <laughs> in, in dealing with this sin situation. There is nothing we can do. Right. So God does it all. And this is the difference between, between following Christ and world religions. I, I'm, I'm hesitant in the last several years even to refer to our faith as, as Christianity because it puts it in this category of, of religious movement. And, and that's not a, what it is. And there's been a stigma associated with that kind of, or, or a stereotype at the very least of what people think Christians are Sure, today, yeah, because you know? it's our own fault right. largely because we, over the centuries, fell into the same kind of religious right. thinking as everyone because else. Because I could go somewhere and say I'm a Christian and people could have five different opinions as to what that means. Right. So, And I'm not saying religion is a bad word or, or you know, if, if what we mean by religion is the working out of, a, of an internal faith. Sure. This is a relationship that we have, an internal reality, and we work that out. That that use of the word religion makes sense. But if we're talking about a movement to which we, you know, we belong, 
we aspire to certain beliefs, we, we assent to these things and we follow these rules. Um, that's the same as all the other world religions. Right. And all of the world religions, the, the nature of them is to bind back our behavior and to find a way to get to God. How do we get to God? But the Christian faith is the opposite of that. We can't get to God. There's nothing that we can do. So he came to us. He came, took on our sin. This is, you know, the. it's become my most quoted verse, I think, is 2 Corinthians 5.21. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. Jesus was that bronze serpent on the pole. He became the emblem of suffering and shame. He took on the curse and became sin for us that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is the cosmic trait. It, it's not an earning. It's not a following, you know, the, the, the right code and all that kind of stuff. It's Jesus loves me. This I know for the Bible tells me so. And I'm going to just put all my eggs in that basket. He's my parachute. And I, I'm, I'm just putting all my hope in him. Mm -hmm. And either he saves me or I die. That's right. it. And then recognizing that, and this is why I love Ephesians, especially Ephesians 1. You know, when I realize what Paul realizes, he's like, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms in Christ. And he just starts gushing about what, what it means to be in Christ. When we have trusted Christ, we've been saved by his grace, his merciful provision. Through faith, he gives us the gift. Our faith is we unwrap the gift and receive it. That, that's it. That's right. the only thing. We, we bring nothing to the table except the sin that made it necessary. And when we receive it in faith and gratitude, then what happens is he actually makes us his child. So that while I was God's enemy before, while I was his enemy, he came to me, chose me, adopted me, gave Christ to purchase and ransom me made me completely clean in his sight. Mm -hmm. Not that I'm better in a practical sense. I, right. I don't sin less five minutes after the, right. than I did five minutes before, but I've been declared clean and right. And I'm a dearly loved, wholly accepted, fully forgiven child of God, when God forever. When God looks at you, he sees Jesus. That's right. And, and because of that, he... It's a relationship that can never be undone. I didn't earn it. I can't unearn it. He has declared it, and so it is. And then when I recognize what all that means, there's just the unbelievable power that I will never be in this life perfect right. morally, but God <clears throat> has already declared me perfect because Christ is perfect, and he's united me to Christ. And the wild thing is... It's amazing. Right, and the wild thing is, like... You sit and you think about, you can think for a long time about how awful you are because I do that on the reg. <laughs> like I'm like, I'm a and terrible person. the devil works really hard right. to make sure you remember that. Right. As long as it'll paralyze you. Right. And, and he wants you to forget it as long as it will make you callous. Right. So again, we, we talk a lot about the pendulum swing. So sure. the devil loves for us to think, well, I'm a pretty good person. I don't, I don't need, need salvation. Right. You know, I don't need grace. And, you know, I can, I can take care of myself. I'm and a horrible person. Go, I don't deserve it. Right. So, you know, as long <laughs> and as we don't deserve it, whatever right will about keep that. us from right. a right understanding <laughs> right. of the Lord, you know, if truth is in the middle, he'll keep us on either side. And it seems really humble and it seems really religious and all that. 
but it's actually death. Yeah. You know, we need to receive that grace as a child receives love from their parent. And, you know, when, when your little boy, you know, sits on your lap and, and everything falls apart in life and he just, just wants to be with mommy and puts his arms around your neck and, you know, and all that, he is not thinking about whether he deserves your love. Right? <laughs> yeah. Right. That, that's what we're talking about. Right. That's why the spirit of God in us causes us to cry, Abba, Father, that this is, this is an intimate relationship that is, it involves the, the, the emotional nakedness, the, the vulnerability that, that can only happen. And it, it's the whole reason that we have marriage, sexuality, and family so that we can see in this picture who God is and how he relates to his people. Right. He's designed life this way to help us understand it's it. It's not just willy-nilly. I've turned into a huge weeper in my old age. <laughs> I'm obviously rubbing off on you. So, um, so then when we look at all this, the, the, the gospel becomes super clear. Sure. But none of that matters if Jesus doesn't come back to life, right? And right. So, and, and that was kind of the, the whole point of our, our Easter celebration that we had. And, and we do Easter a little bit different. We don't have like a regular... Um, uh, our normal sermon type thing. Right. Um, and by the way, I was super impressed with myself that I didn't preach for six hours. I was too, because I was standing the whole time. I, I get super excited. I brought you a I chair. Know, and I know. And then Shelly pointed it out to me. Like at one point when you were talking, I sat in it for a minute. I saw you used like, it for a minute. Like, I really so. don't like this. So I, <laughs> so I didn't use it again. So anyway, as as we're doing it, you know, the whole, the whole core reality that we were focusing on it, 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 because it is central to everything. Yeah. It's not just a nice thing. It, it's the hope of eternal life for every believer hinges on the reality of Christ's resurrection, not the the idea of resurrection, not that some spiritual metaphor or or that He lives within my heart. And, mm-hmm. and sometimes we we fall prey to that, and it's a it's a subtle thing. If we're in Christ, if we're united to Him, then then yes, in, in the person of the Holy Spirit, He does live within our. That's absolutely true. And one of the great evidences for the resurrection is the changed lives of those who know of the resurrection. But that's like saying, you know, Ebenezer Scrooge, you keep Christmas in your heart year round. That's not the same thing. That's exactly (laughs) right. Yeah, it's it's not just a warm, fuzzy feeling that, that, you know, Jesus lives on in his disciples. You know, no, it's that he actually was physically, literally dead. And he was raised to life physically, literally, so that his body, which was crucified and buried, got up and was reanimated by the Lord so that... The mighty triumph were exposed. Absolutely. So this is the conquering of death. And if that isn't a real thing, if if it wasn't a literal and physical, not figurative and spiritual resurrection, then it don't matter. That everything falls apart for us. Right. He he died in our place so that we can can trust in him and and in trusting in him have life. Right. But it's not our trust that gives us life. It's his actual taking our sin that gives us life. And because of the fact that he rose from the from the dead. That's the evidence that God has accepted that sacrifice, that his sacrifice of atonement actually matters. God God says, yes, I I approve. My wrath is appeased. You can be mine now. And 
in that, uh, it, it's it's like the check cleared. I, I remember the um, propaganda uh, spoken word poet rapper uh, guy um, did the um, life in four or life in six words, mm-hmm. you know. And and so going through the whole gospel presentation in this rap, and there's a phrase in there where it, where it says the the check cleared. And I'm like, that's it. That mm-hmm. that's the image that that we need to understand. And so that you know, because he died in our place, so that anyone who embraces him in faith has uh, real life in him. Uh, the resurrection matters because if we don't, if he didn't, if he didn't take our sin, if he didn't die in our place, and if we have our faith in something that just you know feels good in this religious belief that we've made up and it didn't actually happen then as paul said your faith is futile our, our preaching is worthless your faith is futile you're still in your sins apart from the resurrection there is no gospel and it had to have happened exactly the way uh he foretold it exactly the way it's described uh there are you know this isn't the time or the podcast for the evidences, especially at the end of the podcast. Um, That's going to know all the evidence. But, but, the, but when you look at it, there really isn't a valid explanation other than what actually happened. Right. And so the, the idea that they just made it up is absolutely absurd. The idea that Jesus swooned, that, that's a, a popular theory over the centuries, that, that he wasn't, he didn't really die. He was, in the words of Billy Crystal, he was mostly dead. Um, and so... This man who was beaten beyond recognition, stabbed, stabbed in the, the side, side, hung on the cross, uh, laid in the in the tomb unattended, with no food or water, and then suddenly somehow recovered. That's not medically logical. Right. Right? That doesn't make any sense. And so, you know, the fact that that happened and the fact that his disciples were changed—that's a big deal. But the reality of the resurrection is—that's the key. That's the linchpin. And that's where we hang our hope. We're not going to have time to do a formal outro on the recording podcast. So I will say. Oh, you're pretty fast. I'm not eight (laughs) seconds fast. So I'll say thank you for joining us and we'll catch you next time.